Hi, this is Pastor Josh, and welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is a place where people can connect with Jesus and with each other. And if you're looking to get connected, you can find more information at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from a guest speaker. All right, good morning, Harbor family. How you doing? Okay, that's a little iffy. Let's try it one more time. How are you guys doing? Okay, that's good. We're glad you're here. I, I just want to let you know I, I do appreciate what Pastor Josh said in introducing me. I just want you to know he was lying. <clears throat> and he's, gonna, he's going to repent at the end of this service, I know. And the truth or the reality of, of that, of why Marilyn and I have moved here to the Cape to work at Harbor, is Marilyn. That's why I got hired is Pastor Josh wanted Marilyn to be here. And uh, I know that, and I just have to publicly admit it to you. And if you know Marilyn, you know that I'm the one who's telling the truth right now, not <laughs> Pastor Josh. But anyhow, that was very kind of him to say that. And I love having the opportunity to speak to you. We are family, and uh, it's our privilege and my privilege specifically to be able to share the Word of God with you today. Back when I was six years old, that's more than three years ago, I just want you to know. But back when I was six years old, uh, there was a program that was on TV that was my favorite program. And every single week, it, it signed off with this. Who was that masked man? The Lone Ranger and his faithful sidekick, Tonto. Well, Mattel, who was the leading uh, toy manufacturer back at that time, they came out with, if you'll put the picture up, TV's famous good guy, the Lone Ranger. It is the Silver Special. The holsters are Durahide double holster set. Every kid wanted one of those. And it also came with the mask. And so I, I wanted one of those for Christmas. And my, my best friend at that time was a, a, a young man named Bobby Hodo. Uh, we lived in the city, and so we were actually living on a block, and he lived on the opposite side of the block. But Bobby and I, we just played every day after school, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, Bobby, if you're listening to this at any time, I just want you to know every once in a while I think about you, and um, you're a good guy. Anyhow, I wanted one of these, and so I went to Santa Claus. And I climbed up and waded through that dumb line, Climbed up in a seat, and I wasn't there for the candy cane. I wanted to whisper in Santa's ear that I want you to bring this to me. Now, I knew it was going to happen because Santa had never failed me ever before. And so I'm just sitting there, and Bobby and I started talking. He said, what, what, what's Santa Claus going to bring you? And so I told him, Santa Claus is going to bring me this Lone Ranger Silver Special. And he said, no, get out of here. He's not going to do that. And I said, Bobby, I'm telling you, Christmas morning, I'm getting one of those, and I'm going to bring it over to your house, and I'm going to show it to you, and I'm going to prove to you Santa loves me more than he loves you. 
So Christmas comes, the tree's there, all the gifts are all around the tree. The family gets up, we open all the gifts that are there. There's mountains of trash everywhere. And I've opened my last gift, and there is no Lone Ranger holster set. Yeah, you can feel sorry for me. Thank you. It warped my life. All these years later, I'm still hurt. That was the last time I ever went to Santa. I, the, guy, the guy failed me. The worst part of it is, Bobby Hodo got one of those. Yeah, my life sucks. Thank you very much, Santa. I do appreciate you doing that for me. Now, you sit there, and sometimes I do also, and we hear a story like that, and it's just a kid. Those are just toys. You'll, you'll get over it. Folks, all these years later, I still remember it. In fact, after I realized I did not get one of these from Santa, I left the family, and I went upstairs into my bedroom, closed the door, sat on my bed, and I just I started crying. I, yeah, I'm like, it, it's tough right now. I didn't. I didn't get my holster. Now, the reason I bring that up is because I have a tendency, I don't know whether you do or not, but I have a tendency that when I compare my hopes to your hopes, my hopes are always more important. They really are. You'll get over yours. <laughs> I, I still struggle with mine. And we have asked our Santa God over the course of our life for many things, only to wake up on our Christmas morning of expectation and the gift isn't there. And our Santa failed us. And for some of us, we come to a point where that Religious, spiritual stuff is just so much stuff. It's never worked for me. I've tried praying. My prayers just go up and bounce off the ceiling and, and fall on the floor. Could I encourage you for just a moment? Your prayers don't need to get to the ceiling. If it's in your heart, God's there and he'll hear it. Okay, they, they don't fall to the floor. But if anybody has one of those, Christmas is coming up. You, you can wrap it and put it under my tree, and I'll just, I'll just think you're the most awesome thing in the whole world. <laughs> Let me read a couple of verses to you, though. Psalm 69. I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Psalm 119, I'm worn out waiting for your rescue, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes are straining to see your promises come true. When will you comfort me? How long must I wait? And then Proverbs 13, verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I want to speak to you today on that subject of hope. Hope is a forward-looking concept. It does not look back. You don't need to hope for the past. It's already happened. 
what you and I hope for is something that is yet in the future that we are expecting, that we are praying for, that we are wishing, that we are begging God for, that we're planning for, that we're doing everything we can. We just hope with everything in us that this works out. Ephesians chapter 2 says that being without hope is equivalent to being without God. Ephesians 2 said you lived in this world without God and without hope. Can you imagine living a lifetime not only without hope, but not having a relationship with God? I mean, really, a personal relationship where you pray and you know that he heard you? Now, here's what I understand about at least me. When I come to gather with God's family like this, I have certain things I'm hoping for. One, I, I ask my wife to dress me. So she does. I, I, last week I told Pastor Josh, I said, anytime you ever see me wear anything that you like, Marilyn picked it out. Everything else I chose. But, I, you know, you have, you have those kind of hopes. I, I, I get my truck washed, and I hope that those puddles of water that are in the middle of the road here on the Cape, that I can avoid them without running into the cars that are coming towards me. But I hope I'll see you. I hope that we will enjoy talking to each other. I hope that the music is good. I hope that I can sing the music and people won't turn around and look at me. I hope the message that Pastor Josh shares with us, God uses it to speak to my heart. I hope that my prayers are finally answered. I hope that the service doesn't last too long. We have a lot of hopes when we come into God's house to meet with his family. There's a difference between hope and wishful thinking. And trying to picture how I can explain that in my mind, uh, back when Pastor Josh and uh, his wife and some of the staff and Marilyn and I were talking to each other about us moving here, I sat down, and I've told the church about this before, but I, I just asked Pastor Josh, I said, what, what is your ultimate purpose, your goal for Harbor? And he began sharing with me how that he had a, a desire and a dream that he felt, a vision, in parentheses, that he wanted to start churches from here at Harbor all the way up to Canada along the coast so that no one who lives in that corridor would be more than 30 minutes away from a gospel-preaching church. When he said that, in my heart I said, I put my hope and hitch my wagon to that. And so about six months later after that, Pastor Josh and I were sitting down. He's kind of giving me a, an evaluation as sometimes you know, bosses and employees do. And he said, Ron, what, what, what's your goal? What's your purpose? What do you want to see God do with you here at Harbor? And I said, my Uncle Roy, who was a pastor, 
at 93 years of age, preached on Wednesday, went to the health club on Friday and dropped dead. That's the way to go out. And I'm here until we get those 27 churches planted. That's my hope. That can happen. Here's wishful thinking that I would become the chaplain for New England Patriots. <laughs> That's wishful thinking. Can you imagine? You've got instant access to the locker room. You get to spiritually talk to these guys and share Jesus Christ and his love with them. You get to go with them on the plane and fly wherever they're going to play the next game. If they make it into any kind of playoffs or hopefully, you know, I would get to be there. <laughs> that would be so awesome. That's wishful thinking. That will never, never. I have more chance of playing for the Celtics <laughs> than becoming the chaplain for the New England Patriots. It's, it's just wishful thinking. Have you been there? Have you, in your heart of hearts, in the quietness of your moment, have you sat there and said, God, I am tired of crying out to you. I, I have begged you for this so many times. The, the restoration of my family, the bringing back of my child who walked away, the job that I lost. God, peace. Health. Retirement. And night after night after night, you've begged God. You've come to his family to worship together with them. And yet still, you wake up in the morning and your spiritual Santa Claus didn't bring the spiritual Lone Ranger guns. I want to talk to you about that just a little bit this morning. So in Luke chapter 1, it tells a story of a man who is a priest, and we'll find out that he, he has been, his family goes all the way back to Aaron, and he married a woman named Elizabeth, and her family goes all the way back to Aaron, the high priest also. So they've got it on both sides of the family. They're, they're, they're blue bloods, okay? And so it says, when Herod, verse 5, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah, and he was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, they were careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and his regulations. So here we have two individuals that both of them, if there's ever any human example of what someone should look like who totally sells out for God, it's Zechariah and Elizabeth. In God's eyes, the Bible says, they're righteous and they keep all the rules. Verse 7 says, they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. So we've got two problems going on here. One, Elizabeth is not able to become pregnant. Now, 
I don't know this for sure because the Bible doesn't say it. I just know enough people who have gone through the process of trying to conceive a child that undoubtedly Elizabeth and Zechariah have asked their parents, have asked their cousins, have asked their friends, have asked their co-workers, have asked everybody they know, please pray and ask God to let us get pregnant. We want a child. And month after month after month, they realize their prayer is not answered. And they're both now too old. Now, guys, let me just, a little, little bit of counsel to you here for just a moment. Never tell your wife she's old. Don't ask me how I know that. I, I read it somewhere in a book. I'm just saying, you can be old. Your wife is mature. Okay? So here we have two individuals, Zechariah, old man, Elizabeth, mature. But she's matured past the age of even being physically able. It would be easier for her to walk on water than to have a child. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. Now, there are so many priests living in Jerusalem at this time that what happened was they divided everybody down. And every priestly family served two weeks a year. And that's all they did. So they were full-time priests. That's how they lived. And they only had to work two weeks a year. Can you imagine a job like that, being paid full-time, and all you got to do is show up to work for two weeks? Well, that's, that's Zechariah, okay? And so this week is his week, one of his two weeks. And it says, And he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. Now, I don't know what that means exactly, chosen by lot, but they, they had a set of dice, and they cast the dice. They had a deck of cards, and whoever got the highest card would, would win. But they, they had straws, and whoever pu pulled the longest straw out, they're the, they're the winner for being able to go before the uh, incense of God. The really cool thing is this only happens one time in a priest's life. So one time you get to go before the table of incense and burn the incense before God. And it just so happens that this week at this time, Zechariah is the one who gets chosen. Be really careful when things just so happen. Because sometimes all of your life hinges on it just so happened. It just so happened that I saw my wife, when we were in college, chase one of my best friends around the commons area in a snowstorm, literally for 30 minutes, finally caught him, tackled him, and buried him in snow. It just so happened that I saw that, and I looked at my friend and said, that is what I want. <laughs> Ever since then, I've been running through the snow, and she's been burying me. It's good. has nothing to do with the message at all. <laughs> but it just so happens, and he's chosen. Now, what happens is the priest goes in, this one special priest on this one special day for all of his life. He goes in before the table of incense and begins burning incense before God. And we'll find out in just a moment that the, the Jews gather outside the door to the temple. So 
we'll pretend that this is the temple of God in Jerusalem, these, these walls here, all right? And, and, and the Jewish family is outside the walls of this temple, and they're out there praying while our pastor is in here before God. Now, what's going on is they're praying that the priest who's inside will get hold of the heart of God and cause God to answer their prayers and give them what they've been hoping for. So that's the, that's the social scenario of what's going on here, and there's the spiritual significance to it. And so he goes in to burn incense, but while, verse 10, while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. Verse 11, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar, and Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, hey, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God's heard your prayers. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Now, this is preconception of who we know as John the Baptist. Okay? And so Zechariah, John the Baptist's future daddy is told by this angel who just happens to be named Gabriel, and there's only two top angels in God's creation, and one is Gabriel and the other is Michael. And so he's got the number one angel standing in front of him there at the altar of incense before God that he just so happened to draw the lot for to go in and do that. Just so happened to be the day that Gabriel shows up to give him a message. And he says, your prayers have been answered and your wife is going to get pregnant and it's going to be a boy and you're going to name him John. And then the verses go through and they list all the things that John will accomplish in his lifetime. Zechariah in verse 18 says, how can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man. And my wife, she's also well along in years, so he read the same book that I did. But how can I be sure this will happen? Here's his hope. I want a kid more than anything in the world. God, please. The angel comes and says, God's heard your prayer. And he's not doubting the answer. He's wanting proof that it will happen. How can I be sure that you're going to do this for me? I'm Gabriel. We're going to read, Gabriel stands in the very presence of God and God himself told me to come and tell you this and you're going to doubt what I'm saying? How can that be? I've prayed this prayer all these times. I've done it all these years. Come on now. Have you ever been there? God, I have begged you for 15 years to bring my son back to me again. How long? God, my life is so torn up because of what happened to me in my past. When will you give me peace and let me get just one night 
of uninterrupted sleep. Just give me one. Can't you do that, God? God, I've studied, I've planned, I've done everything to prepare myself. God, I've wanted this promotion for the last 20 years, and they gave it to that newcomer. Your Santa Claus has failed. And we look at that and we say, how? Am I not living righteous enough? Am I not keeping the rules accurate enough, God? But now, verse 20. If you would stop and consider in your life the but now moments. In your past you did this, but now you're reaping this. In your past you planned that, but now you're resulting with these things. The but now moments of life are very difficult sometimes to deal with. But now... Since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. Meanwhile, the people, verse 21, are still waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he is taking so long. He's supposed to come out, and he uses this one name of God, the name of Yahweh. And that is such a sacred name to the Jewish heritage that in writing it, they wrote it in a form that cannot be pronounced because they didn't want anybody to pick up a document and just inadvertently read and say Yahweh because only the priest could say it, and he could only say it one time a year. And Zechariah, inside the temple, is supposed to come out and say, Yahweh has told me your prayers are answered. Your healing has come. Your peace is present. Your barrenness will be healed. He's supposed to come out and give that hope to all those people that are outside. But what the Bible says is, because the angel pronounced you will not talk again for the next nine months, Zechariah walks out and there is nothing but silence. He cannot talk. And so there are just some times in life when you think God is only working in your life that there are a lot of other people around you that are waiting for something to happen and because of what's going on in your life, they feel like their life is screwed also because they've been waiting for so long and they're expecting you to deliver Yahweh. It's when you pray, God, give Pastor Josh the message that my spouse needs. God, give Pastor Josh a word that I need to hear. God, give Pastor Josh the ability to be able to speak into my life. And we come to God's house with God's family, and we walk out in silence. It gets discouraging. It causes me, at least, to doubt the reality and the veracity of the God that I say that I worship. Well, the Jews knew 
that at some point right around this time in their history that God would deliver the Messiah and that he would deliver the Messiah through a virgin because in the book of Isaiah where they were studying, the book of Isaiah said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child and he will save his people from their sins. So they knew this was approximate time and all the young virgin women, they wished that they were that woman. But they didn't have a right to hope that they were that woman. And so we're going to read about the, what we call the Virgin Mary. And she is a virgin. And the angel, same one, Gabriel, comes to her and says, Mary, you found favor with God. And you're going to get pregnant. And you're going to bring forth God's son, the Messiah. And you will name his name Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. And all of a sudden, her wishful thinking turned into reality and she became ecstatic with what she heard and the Bible says she started keeping a mental note of everything that was said to her and about her she hid these things in her heart the Bible said in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy verse 26 God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged. So she had given up on her wishful thinking. She, she already determined to get married, which would indicate she's given away that virginity. So it's not mine, but all of a sudden the angel comes to her and says, no, you're the one. Verse 35, the angel replied, she's asked, but how will this happen? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy. And then he gives a description of how he will save his people from their sins. Verse 37, though, if you'll throw that up, please. Nothing is impossible with God. If you don't hear anything, hear this. Nothing is impossible for God. Whatever hope, whatever wishful thought that you had coming in here, nothing is impossible for God. Do not give up on that hope. Do not turn that wishful thinking around. Whatever it is, it is possible with God. There have been a few times that I've told Marilyn, because we enjoy being parents, I said, Let, let's, let's get pregnant. You know, as if that's something I do. Uh, let's get pregnant. And Marilyn's response every time is, there would have to be a star in the east and a camel in my yard for that to happen. <laughs> so, looking for the star and waiting for the camel. Why? She's mature. I'm old. She's mature. It won't happen. But in reality, nothing is impossible. Your family that's falling apart, it's not impossible for God. Your son or your daughter who hates your God, nothing is impossible for God. All things are possible with him. If I could say, 
right now, this moment, God is here. Let me use the term that the Jews believe is so holy. Yahweh is here. That term Yahweh is his human, not human, but his friendship to human side of God. Yahweh is here. You say, Ron, I, I don't see him. You don't have to. He's here. Yeah, but Ron, I don't feel him. You don't have to. He's here. God's here. What, what do you need? Did you get a report back from your doctor? Or have you gone to your doctor and you've not yet received the report? God's here. The Bible says he's the healer. You need peace? The God of peace is here right now this moment. You need unity? The God that brings all things together is here right now this moment. Do you need God to give you joy? The God of joy is here this moment. I need a new beginning today, Ron. God creates all things new every morning. All of these statements I'm saying to you is found in the word of God, every one of them in their promises of God. Base your hope in what God says. He's more powerful than the doctor. He's more powerful than the counselor. He's more powerful than the job hunter. He's more powerful than the financial investor. He's more powerful than the governmental officials. He's God, Yahweh, and he's here for you. Don't turn him away. Don't walk out of here just because for a moment he's silent. He's working. It's his promise. Trust him. Father, speak to every one of our hearts. Dear God above, that person who's here today that needs a relationship with you, let it start today. More than anything, you want them to become your child. Those whose families are falling apart, more than anything, you want to heal them and unite them together. Those who are fearful of the doctor's report, you have the ability to confound the wise. Those who are at the point of giving up because they've tried and tried and retried again, give them hope one more time. Father, we love you, we honor you, and we worship you in your holy name of Yahweh. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor Church as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and the world around us, you can visit harborchurch.com backslash give, or you can text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.